You're listening to The Moment, an interview podcast series on life. We interview and capture conversations with creative minds, thought leaders, disruptors, and the people that are doing what they love while challenging the status quo. You can find the show notes on our website, themomenthq.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. But for now, let's dive into The Moment. Hey there, Monica Cade here. If this is your first time listening, a big warm welcome. I'm actually very excited about our guest today. He's one of those people that gets you to stop and look at life from a different perspective. Today we're talking to Vin Jang, who is a speaker, entrepreneur, and a magician. Vin has been a speaker at TEDx, Google, YouTube, and many other notable corporations. He's won awards at the Fringe Festival three years in a row, and he runs a very successful global online business, teaching students magic. We'll be chatting about following your truth, believing in yourself, and doing the impossible. He's very funny, entertaining, and if you haven't yet seen him on stage, then you must check him out. So let's dive in. Welcome, Vin. Thanks so much for joining me. No, thanks, Monica. And you know, the scariest thing to do is to introduce somebody as funny. Now there's this this massive pressure that if I'm not funny, it's going to be very dangerous. So no, thank you for thank you for the pressure. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Well, it's okay. We've already got a bit of laughter here, so I I thank goodness for that. (laughs) I think we're on a good good step forward. Awesome. So some of our audience may not be familiar with your work and and who you are. And I was hoping you could share your story about how you became or how you went down the path to becoming a magician. Oh, okay. You know, the the craziest thing is that I have to tell the story. It started when I was about eight years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, In in my culture, uh, the thing is during Chinese and Vietnamese New Year, what happens is, you know, the family comes around and we all get together and play card games mm-hmm. and, and, and gamble and eat food and all do all these crazy things. And then at the end of every Chinese New Year, dad would always have four or five packet of cards. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got as gifts for birthdays, Easter, Christmas. It was a curse, right? <laughs> but then, but the craziest thing is um, dad used to drop us off at childcare, uh, which was the library after school from the hours of three to six because it was free childcare. Yeah. And a librarian one day just saw me and my cousins playing with the cards and she actually gave me my first magic book and said, why don't you try something different? And that small action from a librarian just totally changed my life. And I just was hooked from that point. You know, you, you perform a magic trick to somebody and the first thing they do if you're good at performing the trick is they go, oh my God, how did you do that? The moment they do that, Monica, you, yeah. it's an injection of confidence. Awesome. And you just and you just go, wow, I haven't felt like this before. And I was just addicted to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it began. Awesome. How were your parents in supporting you pursuing the career of a magician? Because obviously it's not necessarily, you know, one of the safe type of careers that most people would go into. It's something very different. How, how did they feel about that? Well, the moment I'd said I wanted to do magic, of course, you know, an oriental parent would say, holy crap, you're not fulfilling the prophecy of becoming a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So they freaked out. My community freaked out. Like, it's so crazy how so many people in my community had a say in it as well. So everybody was freaking out. And 
I was I was just lucky, and and I think I, I'm I'm really grateful for it. And that my dad, after he freaked out, he, he came around and he said to me that the reason he risked his life to leave Vietnam to find a new home and and he, to, to 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 my family and to a lot of other migrant families, Australia is heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. So we super appreciate that we can call Australia home. But he said we came here to let you do what you love. Mm-hmm. My father always loved teaching, never got to do it. Yeah, and he's been a you know, worked in factories and farms his whole life. So he said, you know what? If this is what you love, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I just I just have to repeat it because to me the most beautiful words my father ever said to me, Monica, was that, you know, in this life you owe me one thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do one thing. You have to jump as high as you can in your life. And as long as I'm alive, I'll forever be your net. Mm-hmm. And that's my dad. That's just my dad. And super grateful to have him. Otherwise, I, I would I would have been an accountant. So yeah. God, that would have been horrible. <laughs> I think you're in the I think you're in the right profession. I think that's really amazing, you know, to have that kind of a support because not a lot of people necessarily have that support from their family and sometimes friends in pursuing what they really love because, you know, it's seen as crazy or it's usually yeah. it seems to be, well, how are you gonna make money from that? How did you overcome that? I mean, was your dad really quick to turn around and give you that support or did it take some time and you had to find the belief in yourself first? Yeah, so so the thing was I had to prove to my dad I had what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people suffer from that my family won't support me or mm-hmm. my friends won't support me. And I think a lot of the times why well, I believe that we have to put the responsibility on ourselves to convincingly convince our family and our friends. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have to put it on ourselves. A lot of the times we, we communicate differently to our friends and our family. A lot of the times when we communicate to our family and friends, we get frustrated that they don't support us. Yeah. We almost see it as it's an expectation. And I think when you don't see it as an expectation, don't look at it as an expectation and, and, and show them your passion, but show them your passion with conviction, mm. right? And what that does is if, if you're convincing enough and you love it enough, to me, I believe they'll turn around and see it. Mm. There's a great line in The World of Magic where um, Robert Houdin, said, a French magician, said, the magician is an actor playing the part of a magician, right? So for me to make for me to make you believe that magic is real, I have to be able to believe that it's real myself. And and, and to me, that taught me that if, if I wanted this to be my life and my dream, I had to be able to convincingly portray that to my parents and show them not only with what I do, but also with the results that I get. Mm. And I won them over. It took, it, it took about a year and a half. Okay. And dad came around and said, you know what? You know, let's do it, son. All chips in. I believe in you. That's powerful. I think, you know, from the quote that you shared and what you said about you have to love it enough, um, you've got to find that belief in yourself first because ultimately yeah. that's what's going to carry you through. Other people aren't going to be able to do that for you. You have to do it yourself. Which, which, which brings us to the summary that the only person that needs to believe in your dream is you. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and, and when you achieve that, everyone else follows. It, it's unreal. It's, again, connects to the whole, sometimes you have to believe it first before you can actually see it. Mm. Whereas we live in a society where it's very much so, if I see it, then I believe it. But it's actually the other way around. Exactly right. Now, in one of your talks, you have this beautiful quote, which I've written down. You say, the biggest illusion you'll experience in your life is when you tell yourself something can't be done. It is not real. You create that. Can you talk to me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, in, in, in my life, uh, I, I, did a, I did a call with one of my good friends in the US and he said, Vin, if you had to have one word for people to remember who you are, what would it be? And, and for me, it was actually the word foolish. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have the most foolish dreams in the world. I have the most crazy dreams in the world. 
and I'm not afraid to put it out there. And, and by me having these, having these crazy dreams, I actually achieve them. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to it's because our beliefs dictate our actions, right? Yeah. So the moment you believe something is impossible, it's, it's so interesting to see how we move towards it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not enthusiastic. We're, we're, we're not hopeful. We don't do any of that. Like one of my biggest dreams I've had for a long time was to meet um, a producer in Hollywood named um, Brian Grazer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him, but he's a phenomenal guy. He's net over $14 billion in ticket sales for the movies he's produced. And for years, my, my video production company has, we wanted to meet him. Mm-hmm. And like last year, October 19th, we spent a full day with him um, in Los Angeles and also interviewed him in front of 3,000 people, right? Wow. That dream, Monica, everyone in Adelaide, my friends were like, dude, that's crazy. You know, you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going <laughs> you're, you're to be demoralized. But to me, Les Brown says this, an amazing speaker in the US. He says, you know, the problem is not aiming too high. The problem is aiming too low and hitting that, mm. right? So, so it all brings back to the biggest illusion is really when you start saying stuff and thinking negatively and saying, I can't do this, I can't do that. I mean, I think you can and I haven't, well, I've been proven wrong before. Trust me, there are things I cannot do. I'm not saying encouraging all your listeners now to jump off the roofs of their homes and believe that they can fly. Of course. You know, <laughs> there'll be a lot of deaths. Um, so, but it's your dreams, your passion, what you love in your life. It's possible. Absolutely. And I know yeah. you have a very beautiful philosophy with, you know, through your speaking and, and also through your magic. And it's to get people to feel. Mm. And I really connected with that because for me, myself, through my interviews and, and my writing and my speaking, that's how I've always felt. Like I wanted people to feel the very thing I feel about this person or this product or yeah. whatever that might be. Why is that important to you? Because to me, that's what communication is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's making people feel. And I think so, because I, I, I speak so often, I, I'm, I think that the stage is my home, Monica, and I'm, I'm really comfortable on stage and, and I've gotten to the point now where I watch my audience as much as they watch me. Mm-hmm. I can see people who just, when you perform magic, it's beautiful because it creates such an emotional feeling for people and I can see it. Yeah. And, and you can tell that these people have not felt these feelings for such a long time and it might just be astonishment, a sense of wonder mm. or, or, just, or just laughter, yeah. having fun. And growth in the, the, the small points of wisdoms that I share from the lessons that I've learned. And you just see, when, when I see people feel, it just does something to me. Um, mm. it, it, it makes me feel like I'm actually, I'm alive and I'm, I'm helping people live as well in, in the moment. And uh, yeah, it's, it's frightening um, sometimes when you look out into the audience and you just see so many people who are just not there. That's really interesting that you say that because the moment this show, that's also partly what it is for me, you know, to really always come back to the moment with whether it's with the person that I'm interviewing or through the work that I'm doing. I like to be able to make sure that I come back to here because ultimately yeah. we can't be in the future and the past at the same time we only, we've only got now. Why do you feel that our society supports this future orientated life so much and do you think that if we were more in the now that there would be more of that wonder and that amazement and that feeling alive look i I think it comes down to and look this is my current belief now um because i have thought a lot about this and the the reason why we're not present and we're, we're moving and living in the future is we are consistently comparing ourselves with other people. Mm. And by, by the very act of doing that, we want to be better. We want what they have. And we continue to look forward um, because we want to we be better than other people. There's this unreal 
uh, I, I guess, gravitational pull towards being better than others. And I think we've got to stop that. Mm-hmm. We just really have to stop that. It's why I see so many people unhappy. We just keep, keep comparing ourselves to other people. I think with that, you know, we always see someone else and we think that that's what we want, but ultimately we don't know what they've had to go through in order to get to where they are. Um, so many people may look at, you know, your own career and say, oh, I want what he has, but I'm sure there's so many things behind the scenes that you had to go through personally to really gain your success to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what one story comes to mind that I would love to share with all the listeners is my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So my, my grandfather on my dad's side, one of the most phenomenal people in the world to me, one of the pillars of my life. And I was very close to him, like I'm sure all the listeners are, are very close to, to their grandparents as well. And yourself, Monica. And yeah. my grandfather passed away five years ago. And it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. That was the first death I've ever experienced of someone that I loved. I remember I, like he had 27 grandchildren. We were all sitting wow. in the, the hospital room with my grandfather. And, and one by one, he gets us to come up and he, he shares and parts this beautiful wisdom. And in all our hearts, we knew these were the very last moments we were going to have with him. And it was my turn. Uh, I remember I remember just going up there and sitting there with him. And, and he looks at me for a long time and he says to me, the first thing he says is, um, you see that doctor? And I thought, my God, he's going to make me be a doctor. That's his dying wish and I have to do it now. <laughs> no, please, no, right? And then, before I thought any further, he says to me, don't try to be better than the doctor. And, you know, in the moment there, I was wow. like, what is he talking about? Great, I don't want to be a doctor anyway. Points to the nurse. Points to the nurse says, don't be better than that nurse. Mm. rapidly asked me all these questions going, who's your favorite magician? I love a guy, Chan Canasta, 1960 magician, amazing guy. Mm. And I go, Chan Canasta, he goes, don't, don't, don't even try to be better than him. Just don't even try. And at this point, I thought my grandfather has gone senile and lost complete faith in me. Monica, yeah. I was like, what the hell? And then he says to me the most beautiful thing. He says, the point of life is to be the best you can be. It's not about being better than everybody else. You have no control over training harder than that magician next door. You have no control over that but you have complete control over how hard you train in magic. If you focus long enough on the things you cannot control in life, you will completely lose control of the things you do have control over. Mm. Be the best you can be. And the only person you compete against is you from last week, is you from last month, is you from last year. That's awesome. That's such beautiful wisdom to part with you, like, you know, before he left. And and that was, to to me, is is one of the reasons why I am where I am, is, you know, I don't compete with anybody else. I absolutely don't. But I'm very competitive with myself. Hopefully that adds value. I mean, that that was something that changed my life. Yeah, I think it's very profound what your grandfather said. And I think you really get to see the bigger picture that we're all in this together and it's not a competition with everyone else. It's just you'd be your best. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So can you tell me what's been some of the greatest lessons that you've learnt in being an entrepreneur, starting your business and getting to the place you are in your career? Okay. Look, I guess if we focus on entrepreneurial lessons, the one that comes to mind immediately is validation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I, I literally spent, and this is, this is so bad, but I spent about eight months of my life. I was in the, I remember I set up a studio in the garage of my investment property. And I thought to myself, I'm going to create the best magic course this world has ever seen. I was got so excited. I was <laughs> so happy with myself. And I was, I filmed about 120 videos and it took me eight months to do this, edited everything. And then I released it to the world. I even built the website. I said, you know, we're going to have the best website, spent 25,000, make sure that you can handle 10,000 people a day, traffic and everything. And then I started the site, paid for all the traffic to get to my site 
And it was about 11,000 people we got on the first day and we, we sold six copies, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to die. Right? I was like, <laughs> these people are so stupid. How can they not want this? And then I tried to educate the market on why my product was awesome and it just kept going downhill from there. That is when I realized, Monica, you know, the world used to be a place where it was um, build it and they will come. Yeah. But we're now living in a place where Tim Ferriss talks about this where if they come, then build it, right? Yes. So that's, that's when I put all my videos out on YouTube and I put them all out for free and I got critiqued like hell. I had people telling me, oh, Vin, you, you sound lame. I was like, what the hell, man? How do you sound lame? But they were giving me critique on my voice, my, 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 my clarity, the lighting, the editing, the music was too loud. They wanted more angles to learn from. from so then I started to listen. Mm-hmm. And what freaked me out when we started making money was that they told me what they wanted. They, the, the audience told me how they wanted to, it delivered. They also told me how much they were willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So I just created what they wanted and delivered it the way they wanted and asked them for as much as they're willing to pay. Yeah. That blew my mind. I thought, this is daylight robbery. <laughs> Like, what the hell? Is business this simple? And it was. That's very, very cool. And I think that's the problem. So many people don't listen, you know. We just go through this life and we don't listen to each other or we don't listen to our audiences or what our customer wants. We just create from what we think they want. I, I think, you know, expressing your creativity based on what you feel is important, but I think it's also important you know, if you're running a business to, to listen to your customers because otherwise eventually they are going to walk away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our customers can tell us so much. Basically, all the customers in your business right now and in all the listeners, all their businesses right now, they actually hold the key to you growing. Mm-hmm. So my speaking business, I called back, this was a year and a half ago, I did this and I, I'm, I need to do this again. I called back a hundred of my clients mm-hmm. and said to them, what, like, I'm not calling for a referral. I'm not calling for a testimonial. I just want to call to understand how I can add more value. Mm-hmm. If we were to do it all over again, how could I actually add more value? They told me things that I never thought was important. What was one of like, the things? I'll, I'll share with you two things. So sure. the first thing I said was, Ovin, we would have loved if you stayed back for an hour afterwards. You left straight away. And, and I know you're busy, but everyone at the at the conference would have loved to spend time with you. Mm. I didn't know. Like, I genuinely didn't know that. And, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, I've done my thing. Okay, bye, everyone. Yeah. And I'm happy to stay for an hour. My goodness. And my business boomed as a result because when you stay back for an hour, everyone wants your business card. Every keynote I do, I get five or six referrals, for example, right? Yeah. And another thing is they go, well, then, you know, we struggle a lot with social media content. I thought, well, that's that's no problems. I have a video company how about i create you some videos before the event and also create you some videos after the event it's no skin off my nose would mm-hmm. you like me to and they're like oh my god that would be amazing that allowed me to double my fee wow just because i did that and i was like wow that's really easy i have all the cameras with me and uh, this is so easy for me to do you know monica there were 10 things that i learned and but the whole time i was trying to read all these different articles online to try to find the answers yet it was my customers that actually had the information for me to grow yet we looked to all these other places we pay for really expensive consultants i've done that and then i paid for i paid a consultant ten thousand dollars for him to come into my business and what he said to me and like at the time i was like wow this consultant's amazing but in hindsight i'm like wow what, what the hell i mean he added value don't get me wrong but this is all he said all right what we're going to do today is we're going to try to work out how to add massive value to the clients. And I was like, God, this is such a good idea. 
<laughs> and when you look back, who knows that best? Your clients. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, it's right in front of you if you just take a moment yeah. to stop and listen and, you know, look around you. The answer's right there. Absolutely. So, you know, I think if we're asking ourselves that question at least twice or four times a year, we don't have to spend $10,000. So I think that'll be great. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that piece of advice will help save someone else looking at some, some kind of money. Yes, yeah. exactly. I have a couple of signature questions for you just to sure. get to know a little bit more about you. What moves you? Oh, a really powerful drama, mm-hmm. like a movie. Like I've just, re- I just watched like, no kidding. I just watched Deadpool Society and I cried my friggin' eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's just a story that is well told moves me. Mm-hmm. Whether it's told by a person, by whether it's told by like, you know, through a movie, just great stories. Mm, I agree. I think that great stories have the potential to impact lives in so many different ways. I just wanted to add Inside Out, a cartoon. Mm. Like I was like, what is this? And, and, and my wife wanted to watch it and I watched it with her and it moved me. Like I was in, I was crying. Oh, maybe I, maybe I just cry a lot, but it was just so <laughs> emotional. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. That was a really great one. I, I've watched that myself a couple of times. It's such a, I feel it's a really great, uh, it's great for adults, but it's also really great yeah. for kids to helping them understand their emotions and the way that they think. I thought, I think it was very well done. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it just as a word of encouragement for, for all the listeners and, and I think everyone is that we should, we should try to, to move ourselves a few times a day. Mm. You know, we should try to just feel. And then again, it's just, just to really experience the emotions that we, we rarely feel and then get on top of those. It, it's like I, I, sat, I remember sitting on a plane once and I was, I was in front and there was a guy behind me with his, his, his son and I, I was listening in. It's horrible, but I was listening. I had my earphones in to pretend I wasn't listening, but I was. <laughs> and it was crazy because his, this was the dad's first time of being on the plane and he was so excited. This guy was in his like late 60s wow. and it was just the most beautiful plane ride I've ever been on because he was so curious. He was so excited and, and you know, where, you know, let's do something every day that makes us feel excited, makes us feel happy, makes us feel just alive. Once a day, yeah, life is just so much better. That's a really beautiful story. You know, it goes to show that it's not just little kids that can find curiosity and bewilderment and amazement in like just the everyday things. It's like if we just stop to, you know, appreciate all the small things around us, we can find so much joy in them as well. Absolutely. What do you feel is your greatest asset? My willingness to fail and how desensitized I am to failure. I'm just not scared of failing. Um, You know, since a young age, I've just learned that failure is not that bad and being idle is worse. You know, I I just really like, I, I understand that and through like deep inside my soul I get I get it I'd rather make a mistake than sit on the fence and do nothing because I've sat on the fence and done nothing in many different areas of my life and that's caused me way worse pain than me actually getting something wrong Mm. and it's just I think that's my strongest asset is I just have such a thorough understanding of that and I just believe in it with so much conviction that when I look at risks and I look at you know I approach risks I'm not afraid and you know, there might be ounces of fear, but it, it, it doesn't overpower me because I fear idleness way more. It sounds to me over the years that you've really gotten a very good understanding of who you are as a person and what moves you and what inspires you and, and the love that you have to be your best 
just now is at a point where it overrides that fear and it's really inspiring to listen to and observe because we we all have the capacity to get to that place it's just to keep moving forward and doing our best in each moment until we you get that confidence to, to rise into our best. And I think it's awesome that you were able to see that because it, it, it does require you to be in the present and in this conversation with me for you to observe that. So well done. That's awesome. Kudos yeah. to you and kudos, kudos to me too. So kudos to both of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I can't take all of the credit. Uh, I, I got to tell you, the reason why I understand these things about myself is because I meet with a group of four of my best friends in my life and we've got a little mastermind where we meet every two weeks and these guys are real successful in their own right and this, these are the things we talk about I did one just last night for three hours from 9 till 12 at night and we were actually talking about things like this we, we, we get to explore who we are mm. it's, it's scary when you don't know who you are and what you want and you don't know what your purpose and your legacy is going to be. You move through life so slowly and without conviction. And then that's when you fall victim to just existing. Exactly. The difference between people who live with purpose and people who kind of just move through life and kind of go just basically moves where the wind pushes them. It's just because they haven't spent enough time exploring themselves. I agree completely. Yes. Yeah. It's nice to know that anyone can just get to know themselves at any point that they choose. And and everyone has something that they can contribute to the world. They've just got to um, take the small steps. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen straight up. I know for myself, I've been quite creative and been skilled in many different areas throughout my life and had a lot of different interests. I guess entrepreneurial people uh, are a bit like that. And sometimes finding that thing that is really your thing can be a bit hard. But I guess, you know, we've just got to keep moving forward and just exploring ourselves and then we'll eventually find it. Totally on board with you. And, and uh, at the risk of speaking too much, being a speaker, what, what guides us to our passion is curiosity. Your curiosity is your compass and you have to use it. You know, there are times in our lives where we go, I think I'll like art. I think I'm going to like video editing. But then yeah our mind overrides it and goes, no, you don't like that. That's stupid. You can never make money from that. And then we stop ourselves from even being curious. Mm. But curiosity is that first step that actually allows us to find out. Yes. That's you know, so true. So, so be curious. You know, if, if, if the listeners now are, that are listening, and this is an amazing show, by the way, like I, I please send me the, I would love to listen to these myself. And, Absolutely. But if they, they don't know what to do, then just allow yourself for the next month and be curious and do as many different things that you feel that you're interested in. Mm. And when you do that thing that you're interested in and you, you find out you don't like it and it's not good, don't beat yourself up. Don't say to yourself, oh, great, I've wasted two weeks of my time. No, no, no. Like now you're one step closer to finding out what it is that you're meant to be doing with your life. Boom. I think that's so true. I mean, we either pursue the things and then if they don't seem like the right thing, we then beat ourselves up over them, which is so silly. But I like your perspective on that. You know, you've just got to look at it as the thing. Nope, that wasn't it. But now I know. So let's move on to the next thing. You're one step closer. And, you know, again, boom, hashtag boom. <laughs> and it's cool. I like that. Yeah. So tell me what scares you. Mm, okay. So, uh, oh gosh, you ask good questions. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you what first comes to my mind because I think that's going to be the most honest and, and, and real answer. My family and people that I love dying. Mm. Um, I have a real fear of that. I, I, it freaks me out. Yeah. It, it freaks me out that the people I love so much will one day not be here. Like, I'm scared of spiders, but <laughs> to me, this is like a million times the fear of spiders. And this is what I'm noticing in myself as I'm getting older, that you start thinking about those things more and you do realize that these people will 
leave your life. You know, I, I myself lost my grandfather last year and that was probably the first person really close to me where I experienced that and it's a very the first time it happens it's it's very interesting and very strange and sad and so many things at the same time I think that fear makes me a better son I think that fear will make me a better grandson that fear makes me a better brother a better friend you know I, I don't look at it as a crippling fear I look at it as being a powerful fear and one I don't want to lose because mm. you, you, you know Monica I get I get so consumed in my businesses and Something very real for me is, you know, last week my grandma, who's 101, crazy. I know. Um, yeah, unreal. And she's like a munchkin. And but she was she was admitted into hospital. You know, and I see her. I saw her once a week, and she was admitted in hospital. I was like, holy crap! I cancelled two weeks worth of work. Clients got pissed off with me, everything. But you know what? Family is where it's at, mm. right? I, I just realized in those moment, moments, I wouldn't exist, Monica, if my grandmother didn't exist. My very existence is because of that woman getting through a war and surviving. Yeah. So I, I just canceled everything. I spent time with her and, and, you know, that fear made me do that. If I didn't fear losing her, then I would have just gone about, traveled interstate, did my work, did this and did that. That fear keeps me real. Absolutely. And, yeah, it reminds me that we are, we're all mortal, so we're going to do the best we can with the time that we have. Exactly. I, I like it as well because it makes you appreciate the moment and the people that you're with so much more. Exactly what you're speaking about is some things that I've been experiencing personally over the last few weeks, you know, and making sure that I can be as present as I can with the person that I'm with in that moment. And then I want to give them my full love and attention, whoever that person might be. You know, that's the way we can then not have to look back and go, oh, I wish I had gone and spent time with my grandmother or I wish I had done this. And the best pragmatic advice I've ever gotten on how to do that mm. is to turn my phone on airplane mode when I'm with people. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it's unreal. It just, it changes the whole experience when I'm with people. So right now, as I'm with you talking now, my phone is on airplane mode. So, you know, my, my assistant, Andrea, she goes, make sure it's on airplane mode because I'll be checking stuff. And you can tell, you can tell the moment I'm disengaged. Of course, you, yeah. Your listeners will be able to hear it. They'll be like, oh, there he goes, he's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. When you're really um, listening and you're present, you can tell when someone disconnects and goes elsewhere. And it's nice to be there with the other person. So thank yep. you. My wife is very good at that. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. Because I've had good training. I've had very good training. My wife can spot it like an owl. Oh, it's that's crazy. good. Should keep you in check. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah she keeps me very present. <laughs> okay. If you weren't in your profession now, what would you be doing? Oh, okay. That's a good one. Um, that just made me just immediately think, definitely not accounting. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to be like hurting the feelings of all these accountants and I'm just going to get a lot of hate. But you, do you know what this, okay, you just reminded me of something really cool. When I was in year 12, I actually wrote down for my first preference teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've, I've always wanted to be a teacher. My dad's dream of teaching when he was young, you know, it transferred onto me. But the crazy thing is uh, I let the, the, the cultural uh, pressures get to me and then I ended up putting commerce and law. I, mm-hmm. I, I literally remember crossing what I wanted to do out and yeah. putting down commerce and law. So if I, if I didn't go down this entrepreneurial path, I would have loved to be a teacher. And I feel that I've kind of accomplished some of that now, um, speaking, sharing knowledge and, and what I've learned. That's awesome. Teachers create an amazing future. That's what they do. Yeah, it's it's a very cool role. I actually used to teach little kids acting, so I've had that experience and I, I connected you on that um, love for it. It's really heartwarming and exciting to see people growing and learning and just becoming these 
individuals as they go through life. So our last question for today, can you tell me what the greatest piece of advice that you've been given is? Absolutely. Communication, communication, communication. What I've just come to realize is that there's just this common thread among all successful people. And this is really the key skill set that differentiates the average from the great. And it's communication. They're able to communicate with absolute clarity mm-hmm. what they want, what value they add. And time and time again, I meet these people and I just go, wow, I'm so happy to meet you and, to, and also learn that, that, you know, you're not that amazing. You're just awesome at communication, which is very humanizing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we all work on our technical skills, regardless of what profession we're in. A lot of us, we're, we're doctors, we're pharmacists. You know, we, we, we own a small business, we're bakers, it doesn't matter. But what happens is we always focus on building our technical skill. Mm-hmm. That's what we always do. The conferences we go to is to build our technical skill. When do we spend time building our communication skills? Mm, I agree. Unless you're, you know, in that kind of an industry where that's a given, you know, you communicate like you're a speaker or something or, you know, some of the creative arts and things like that where you practice those skills a lot more, you, we, we don't really get encouraged to do that so much. And that's why my businesses that I have now, I believe they're successful. I believe they're successful because it's all predicated on my ability to communicate as I was going on the journey to to embark to be a speaker. Mm. So as I became a better speaker, my businesses started to do better because I was able now to motivate my employees. I was able to motivate my team. You know, even even hopefully I'm adding value in this podcast. And when I communicate to you, I'm able to I'm able to get everything that's inside me across to you. I always say that communication is the bridge that allows you to deliver value. And there's good bridges and there's crappy bridges. And if you've got a crap bridge, bridge, you you don't deliver as much value. People get the point, but they don't get the whole thing. Yeah. They don't seem to connect. Yeah. And when you've got that solid bridge, that, that, you know, that awesome bridge, then, oh, you can get any kind of any, any value across and people just, they get it. They feel it. They sense it. And they're just totally with you. What would you suggest, you know, for someone that's listening to this conversation now and who may not necessarily be very confident in um, their communication, what are some small steps that they could take to develop that a bit better? Okay, so I, I did a TED Talk on this. So um, mm, if, if yes. you have time and, and, and people don't mind seeing it, um, hopefully they'll enjoy it. But it's called Creating the Most Influential You uh, on TED if you just search for that. But to break it down real quickly, it's a formula where you record yourself and you record yourself speaking as excruciating as it will feel uh, the first time you do this. Just do it on your smartphone. Everyone's got a smartphone, no excuses. So you record (laughs) record yourself for two minutes and then you leave that video for a day. Don't watch it straight away. If you watch it straight away, we're always ridiculously self-critical. Leave it for a day. And then after that day, when you watch that video back, you have to do it in three different ways. The first time you watch it back, you just listen. So you turn the sound up, you press play, you turn around. Listen to how you're speaking. And when you're listening to how you're speaking, assess, how do I sound? Is my tone, is it a monotone? Is my pitch is a, is, is a, a variation of pitch? Do, do I, am I talking too fast? Am I talking too slow? Start taking a whole bunch of notes. You know, we have already embedded in our own heads what we believe a good presenter is, presenter is or a good communicator is. So start applying some of those thoughts we have in our own minds on ourselves. Mm. So now you have all the auditory uh, kind of notes on yourself. Then now you press play, but you turn down the sound. So now you're just watching the visuals. How do you move? Do you move at all? Are you, are you not moving enough? You're talking about passion, but do you look passionate? Are you smiling? Are you frowning? And then you take a whole bunch of notes on your physical physical appearance. What are you doing? How are you dressed even, right? 
And then you watch it together now for the third time. You watch the sound and the visuals. And you look at that and you go, am I in sync, right? If I'm talking about leadership, do I stand like a leader as I'm speaking about leadership? Mm. Am I, am, you know, do I, do I sound composed? So do my visuals and do the, does the auditory, do they sync? Because when you go on stage and, and you're talking about something passionate and, and your voice sounds like it, but your body isn't, it freaks people out. People yeah. immediately go, oh, I don't trust that person. They don't, seem, they don't seem like they're being honest. And that's because the way we move versus the way we sound, they're not in sync. Yeah. I have watched that TED Talk of yours and it is fantastic. I really actually took away some stuff for myself as well in my own presenting and, and speaking. It was really good, so I highly recommend it and I'll include the link with our show notes so everyone can check it out as well. Well, that finishes up our interview today, so I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic and, and it's been funny, so I'm sure everyone has enjoyed <laughs> themselves. As we have. Thank goodness. All right, Vin, thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Monica. Cheers.